Hello and welcome to Two Daydream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Base Urban 18, and tonight we'll be discussing pilot and showmance. Um, my guest today with me is Jan, or Januarium. Hello. Hi. All right, so let's jump right in and, and talk about the pilot and, and the creation of Kurt Hummel. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I, I just sort of, I, I watched them both recently, but I did a little Kurt Hummel rewatch, which took so little time. Um, <laughs> but it's very interesting how the show starts. You get the setup stuff with Sue, and that first scene with Will coming into the school, you get Kurt as very much part of the setup of the school straight off. Yeah, and in the way that there's already this hierarchy, and you can definitely tell, like, there are obviously the jock kids, the popular kids, and then the, the you know, the rest of the gonna-be glee clubbers who are kind of these loser, quote-unquote, kids. Yeah, um, and it's interesting that while they sort of show the other kids as losers, and then especially Rachel, she gets slushied and stuff, Kurt is sort of the one who is the one shown as being bullied, being at the bottom of this social strata from the from the off. Yeah, and then I mean it's something, and I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself even talking about it. But like we, the first time we see Kurt, he's he's about ready to get thrown in the dumpster, and that's the same thing in Showman's too, though, in that. Um, here are the rest of the kids. They've joined Glee Club, and they're kind of all happy. And Finchel's flirting, and Mercedes is singing runs, and Kurt's going to get thrown in a dumpster again. And yeah, and it's it's very much echoing that. And the music is happier, and everything's you know it's all set up to show you know things are going better. But actually, he's still in the same situation. But another guy takes his bag instead of uh, Finn taking it, and that parallel between those two episodes is very interesting. He's setting up. You know, McKinley is still what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And can get better, but it doesn't, you know, it's not all being fixed by singing Don't Stop Believing. Right, exactly. And, and I mean, also in relation to Kurt's character, that, I mean, this is the very beginning of the story. I mean, it's not just they create a glee club and they're all friends and life's happy and everything. He's just got a very long journey ahead of him. You know, it, it doesn't change instantly. There's going to be a bigger story than just these kids find each other and then we live happily ever after. And that McKinley is not necessarily going to accommodate for them, you know, finding each other or even finding themselves within the story. Yes. And, you know, and one of the things I love about you know, it introduces you to these stereotypes. And, it, you know, the, I love the pilot. I honestly... I, really very interested in pilots and I think Lee just has one of the best pilots I've ever seen and it does that very much, you, you're introduced to all these stereotypes, you have, you know Kurt has his Mark Jacobs new collection jacket but he's also, you know, he's very quiet, he's not sort of constantly jumping in with a canny line, he's very careful with his words throughout, you know, especially through the pilot, even in cases where the other sort of the loser Glee Club kids speak up. Mm-hmm. He's quiet a lot of the time. He only says something when he has to, mm-hmm. which is very interesting because that's not traditionally what that stereotype is. You know, there's more to it there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of, um, 
I mean, Kurt will eventually, like, right off the bat, connect with Mercedes. But even here, he's very much on his own and very much to himself. And th- and that doesn't necessarily fit the stereotype all the time either. So um, I-, I like that there is a-, a lot of depth to the character and a lot of... Um, there's just more going on underneath all those layers than what we might see on the surface. Yeah. I, uh, Chris Colfer has talked about it in, you know, interviews back there, the, you know, since as well, that he spent a lot of time, you know, Miranda Priestley, uh, Devil Wears Prada, watching videos of Anna Wynn tour mm-hmm. and getting... And Tim know, Dunn too, right? Wasn't, yeah. And it, it's not just that you know, he he was acting those. It's that Kurt specifically, he would have done that. He is trying to be like these people, taking these uh, women who are powerful and knowledgeable and in control as his role models mm-hmm. for how he acts. Absolutely. Um, and just that, I think that's also, because I feel like we see it more with younger Kurt that he's still not entirely sure of who he is. So he's latching on to these role models and, and trying to present himself as, I don't want to say something that he's not, but just trying to, uh, you know, come off as more confident or come off as, you know, uh, more closed off. So, you know, he can, that can be his shield or his face to the world when there's a lot more going on inside that he just doesn't show to everybody. Yeah. You know, it's part of his formation of who he is. He's uh, 16, possibly, you know, depending on mm-hmm. which things he's either about to turn 16 or he's 16. You know, he's 16 by the third episode for sure. Yep. Um, and, you know, he's young. He's still, he's very much trying to figure out who he is and forming who he is. So it's not just, you know, there is a front there, but there's a front there for all of them. Right. You know, you look at the other characters, they've all got a place they've decided they're going to fit in with it. You know, you look at Tina, mm-hmm. eventually it's shown to be very obvious, you know, she was, I'm going to have this stutter because I want to fade into the background, I don't want to be called on, uh, I, you know, I, I want to lack this attention. They're all doing that teenage thing of trying to form who they are. Yep. Um, going back to the um, that first scene that we see him, it's also interesting that, you know, here he's about to get uh, thrown into a dumpster and Will, who is, you know, a, an authority figure, walks by and he doesn't, Kurt doesn't call out for help. He doesn't struggle. He kind of just lets Will walk on by and and gets thrown in the dumpster. And, and I just think it's it's a sad thing that, that Kurt's kind of just like accepted that this is where he is in life, that he'll just kind of you know, let himself be thrown in the dumpster. It's incredibly sad, and, you know, there's a lot of criticisms as well to be made, but I genuinely think I believe he doesn't, he thinks Kurt is being friendly with those people. Right. You get the indication from Showmats, he sees him with them every morning, okay, they must be, you know, getting on all right, because I don't think he can imagine that Kurt wouldn't say something if he was about to get thrown in a dumpster, but he's so resigned to it. Yeah, I won't go down the um, the uh, rabbit hole of talking about Will as an educator, but um, 
Yeah, I, I think you're right, though. It's just that, you know, that's such a common thing that and Will is just kind of oblivious to the fact and, and Kurt is used to people not, you know, noticing him. And I, I guess we can get into the um, Mr. Cellophane thing in, in a second. But um, just, yeah, it, the, this is the way his life is and he's come to accept it. And he thinks that that's just, you know, that's it's really just heartbreaking that that's where he, his mindset is at the, at the very opening of the series. Absolutely. It's that he is, you know, he's Mr. Cellophane. He chooses that song for a reason. Mm-hmm. I know this club is obviously something he wants to be a part of, but then, and this is sort of jumping ahead again, but talking about the episode as a whole, when Will tells them he's going to leave the club, and everyone says something except Kurt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Finn says, do I have to be here? Rachel's, you know, worried about her future. Uh, Mercedes asks if they, it's because they didn't work hard enough and so on. But Kurt is silent through that. And that's because he he isn't speaking out for himself. He's he's not, you, you know, trying to get anything else. He, he's When there's an opportunity presented, he's taking it. But he's not trying to make them at this point. Right. And do you think part of it, I, I mean, I do agree with that completely, I, but also in addition that he may be resigned to the fact that, oh, well, this was nice for a little while, but nothing great ever lasts long. So, um, you know, this, it'll go back to the way things were. Because he's kind of, it's just, I guess we don't really see very much of his reaction in that. Um, but the silence is definitely there. And the fact that, you know, he he do, he doesn't say anything. It's just okay. Maybe this is the way it's supposed to be. There's definitely an aspect of him not fighting for a place, um, you know, whether it's for that respect, and it's sort of he he argues for the respect of his stuff, his jacket and his bag, not mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely ties into the song he sings for audition and how he views himself. And I think, you know, if you look at 2009, oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a sort of obviously jumping very far ahead at that. But I think the one part that fits very well with that is Kurt being silent and we hear him say all this stuff in his head. But, you know, out, you know, sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> he says all this stuff in his head, but he's not speaking out. He's not. He does a bit more in 2009 because it's more about him. But he's not saying, I'm amazing. He's saying, you're amazing, even then. Yeah, yeah. Um, one last thing I want to touch on that scene before we jump to the, the audition is um, the differences between Puck as a bully and Finn as a bully. And Finn is, you know, cool with him taking off his jacket and has marginal more respect for Kurt than Puck, who is just an asshole. So, um, I, I think that means something to Kurt. I, I mean, I do believe even in 2009, he might have. He said something about that. But um, the very beginning of, you know, the, the way that Crush plays out and everything is, it can be rooted here, um, where where Finn is just, you know, he's not a great guy in the scene at all, but just that he's better than the rest of those bullies. Yeah, you know... <laughs> see later he says the moment he fell in love it's simply mildly chastising Puck for you know pushing him 
because for Kurt, who's been treated in this way, to have one guy who is moderately apologetic is actually a huge difference. Finn is a lot more of a, he's doing what he's supposed to do fully, and that's why one of his big moments is going, actually, I'm going to help Argy out, I'm not going to keep doing this, Mm -hmm. because he's just sort of passively been, all right, I'm a bully, I'll join in this stuff. Whereas Puck does actively take joy in bullying and taking power in that way, and, you know, there's all sorts of different stuff in his background that leads to where he is there. But they, they have very different attitudes. Yep. No, yep, I completely agree. And I think that's also, it, it goes on to why just, you know, Finn is able to, you know, really embrace Glee Club a little bit faster than Puck does, and and why the the original Glee Clubbers kind of take him in easier and everything, because there's still tension um, again, jumping ahead a little bit, uh, between the original Glee Clippers and then like when Puck comes in or when Quinn and Santana and Brittany come in, there's still some disconnect there at first. But um, since uh, Finn was, you know, genuinely a, a nicer guy, it's easier for him to assimilate into this group. So. Yes, and I, I feel like you can see Puck and Kurt, they have different moments with each other and they do. They learn to get along, but I think it's really telling in the quarterback that Kurt absolutely believes that, you know, Puck has the jacket in his hiding pool, you know, mm. that he isn't willing to consider Puck, to think about his grief, to be there for him. And he, you know, says, what are you going to throw me in a dumpster again? Mm-hmm. Because they never, they never really worked on that stuff. Right. Just kept going. Whereas Finn and Kurt, you know, they became brothers. They developed a real relationship over a long time, and there's a big difference in those stories. Yep. Yep. Completely agree with that one. Um, so going on into the the Mr. Sullivan audition, um, it's interesting because I think in 2009 it was Mercedes who gives him this idea. Um, but I think it is a perfect audition piece for him because if you look at the lyrics, it's, you can walk right through me, um, and never know that I'm there. And that's really where Kurt is at this point in his life. Um, so. And that's part of why I always, I've always from the beginning found it quite ridiculous. The number of people who will say, oh, but Kurt's this stereotype because the stereotype isn't, you know, the gay kid who is into fashion and has a high voice and, you know, moves like he does and is quiet and doesn't speak up and, you know, goes in the background. That's, he's never fit into that because he's he's being those things quietly, but he's not, yeah, he's Mr. Southame. And he chooses a song from Chicago, it's a show tune, but it's a show, you know, it's a song. It is one of the iconic songs for, you know, a bad to sing. It's about being invisible. It's about, you know, it's about being in the background, not being known. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's exactly right. And it's just for, and on the other hand, I will say, 
that for somebody who's definitely like that, he is taking the song and saying, hey, look at me, I have this voice. And in his audition, just his stance, the way he stands and, and, and the attitude that he has going in is like, hey, look at me. And yet he still, the way he feels is I'm invisible and, and I, you don't know that I'm there. And it's just a very interesting contrast how he can do both of those at the same time, I guess. Yes, he, he wants to be seen. He he wants to be known. He wants to be incredible and amazing. You know, I, I definitely think that's there from the beginning. Mm. Um, at the same time as this invisibility, and that is a very interesting contrast. Um, if you one of the things that, that I always remember from the um, video commentary of the pilot episode when he's singing that, and he does that little moment with the hair. Yeah. And it, he's always pulling focus. He's always, you know, there's always a little something extra there. And that's both in Chris Golfer's acting, but in what Kurt is doing, he's always drawing focus. Yep. Yeah, and I, I love that about Kurt. I love that he just has these little, like, touches and, and that it does make him stand out um, if you're looking for it. That's, that's kind of the key, especially in the first season, you need to be kind of looking for it in some respects, but um, yeah, yeah, he's just, he's always going to be Kurt. There's always going to be some kind of little Kurt ish thing that he does. That's unique to him. And, and I think that's just really one of the reasons I love this character. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's, I think you can, although you can, in the pilot, I think what Kurt does fits absolutely, but then it also fits, you know, from a Watsonian point of view, but from a playlist, you can also see this character was not originally in the pilot. Right. Right. And that's, I um, did want to kind of touch upon that for a second, because it's fascinating to me, there really weren't any gay characters in the, the pilot script. Um, Kurt was definitely not even something that they really came up to came up with until Chris Colfer walked into that room. And I just, it's, I, I, I kind of wonder sometimes what would have Glee been like had Kurt not been conceived. And, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a show that I would have watched personally, but, um, but um, I, I think it's amazing what happened with the character and that it, you know, not only was it created, for Chris, but it was, you know, it developed into this really wonderful character and, and brought out some really great storylines that offshooted from him. And I, I just think it's what made Glee really special for me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely wouldn't watch the show. I, I watched the, sh you know, I watched from the, where they first aired the pilot in May, that initial time, because I'd heard about it online. And I feel like, it would have been very different. Um, I, I'm sure they would have introduced. I'm sure they would have introduced queer characters because it's Ryan Murphy and mm. it's you know those creators and it's a glee club. But having him from the off, having his story did it, having his story get going very early because while it's not there so much in the first two, he very much has. A story starting in the third and majorly in the fourth episode which brings us that aspect of him and making him a more significant character um but i absolutely from the first season i watched it for those 
little moments of him and Mercedes and Tina and Artie and not really for the main plot it was at that time of Will and Terry and Quinn and Finn and all of that stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I watched um, the first 13 all at once. I, I came in during that that first season hiatus. And I remember um, <clears throat> I wasn't a really huge fan of the, the Will Terry stuff or the, the Finn and Rachel stuff, but just all of these, uh, you know, smaller characters. And, and it's not just Kurt, it's Mercedes and Tina and Artie and, and all of the little things that they were doing and all of their, their stories that even though each one of them had stereotypical um, elements, uh, I think the characters developed and, and had more than the two dimensions to them. And it really, it came with, it, it became something very, very special. And, and I'm glad that the writers were able to um, uh, kind of go with, go with it and, and then say, okay, well, you know, uh, I mean, that they were able to develop these characters more and not try and force the the the, the storylines that weren't working as much to continue to be you know they brought Kurt out they brought out Artie and, and Mercedes and and Tina and let them have storylines and I mean we can all agree to disagree about whether the writers did a good job with any of it but um, it it says something that these characters are the ones that really you know spoke out to people not necessarily the original, you know, concept of Will and uh, as an aging uh, guy who wanted to reclaim his youth. Yeah, I mean, that makes him sound older than he is. No, I know, he's not really old. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I agree. I love that the show developed the way it did. And, you know, I actually, I do enjoy season one, but I don't enjoy it in the same way I enjoy season, the later seasons, because... I love the characters who drew to prominence later on in the show a lot more so, and I love the stories they told with them. But one of my favourite things about Glee is how much the characters do grow and change over time. You look at Kurt, or you look at Santana, who appears in the pilot just as this lackey and develops into such a complex character. And it's amazing to me what they managed to do with them. Yep, yep. Um, just going through my notes and seeing if there's anything about the pilot specifically, because Kurt's just not in it very much. Um, there's the little bit in Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat, where he has to um, carry Tina for like half a second, and he's just done with that. <laughs> um, he has great facial expressions during... Um, you better shape up. Yes. Oh yeah. When when Rachel like rubs his head, and yeah. she. <laughs> so it's it's. But that's also that's also a little. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. When Finn starts singing, that I love. Oh yeah, you can definitely see like, hmm, this guy's not all that bad, you know. And you do get you also get again, Mister Cellophane, when Finn is assigning tasks to everyone, he says Mercedes cost you.
and so he's you know not even brought in in that aspect yep no and and that makes sense because it's interesting that Kurt goes to humor right off the bat, but it is, again, like they nailed his lawn furniture to the, the roof and threw pee balloons. And that's just, you know, that's not even in school. That's like stuff that happens to your home and everything like that. And I always have this, you know, this is my own opinion. I'll state that, but that, you know, knowing what the Bert and Kurt relationship is at near the beginning, I can only imagine like, him trying to like run home and get his stuff off the roof before his dad gets home. Cause I, I can only imagine if Bert actually had seen that he would have been down to that school so fast. Yeah. You know, even as who he was there, then sorry, okay. even as Bert was in the beginning, he absolutely was very protective of Kurt. He wanted him to come out of his shell because he had no idea how to, interact and communicate with his child but he would not have, you know he wouldn't have been just blasé about roof lawn furniture nailed to the roof mm-hmm. and i definitely can imagine kurt sorting it all out going through it all stoically quietly because he doesn't want to, not only does he not want to be a bother but he also doesn't want to be proved right that no one cares Right. And I think that kind of goes in with the, the Mr. Cellophane thing in that I, I think that even because he's not necessarily close to Mercedes yet in the, the opening. Um, he while the Glee Club is a good thing for him and, and we see in 2009 just how excited he is about it. He's still very on his own. I mean, there's still like the, you know, annoyance with with Tina uh, and definitely with Rachel um, there's, you know, just not fully fitting in there and, and he's still considering himself on his own, even here at the beginning. Yes. And that's one of the reasons I love that we do see, you know, trip forward a bit, that him and Mercedes, even if it's in those little moments, they start talking and they start being friends really quickly and he needed that so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I love that friendship, too. I, I think she is such a sweet person and an open and loving person that for somebody who can be incredibly closed off and, and, and hard to reach, just her warmth and sunshine just kind of does the trick, and, and I just I love that friendship. And I, I feel a lot as well with Mercedes. She is, in herself, she's a very quiet person she's actually can be very shy but she masks that with big personality and you know again sort of stereotypical elements which are part of her but also you know hiding how vulnerable she is Mm -hmm. um and they're sort of using they're both using masks they're both quite you know they're both sensitive people and they're a lot more alike than it could initially seem. Yep. Oh, yeah, especially with the vulnerability. I think Kurt can be very vulnerable. He just is very, he, he hides it, and, and he shields himself from the world. He doesn't like to let people see it. But um, and Whereas I think Mercedes may be a little bit more open in that respect, but they do have that in common. So It's, it's hard for her to reveal that side of herself. Um, it does, definitely takes her a while I think you see different sides of it but through to I think when she's beautiful is when we really truly see 
just how vulnerable she is. We, we see some of it in um, the third episode as well and mm. other things, but she can't keep that quite close to her chest. Yep, yep. Um, uh, just a quick, because I just want to talk about Don't Stop Believing for, for a second, and, and I love Kurt's dancing in it. Um, just, he's kind of do his own little thing, and it's <laughs> cute. <laughs> I, I love, I love his head bobs. I love how exaggerated. <laughs> I love it. It's just, it's the quintessential Kurt right there. <laughs> and his ruffled red shirt. Yep. Yep. Um, anything you wanted to touch on on in pilot before we moved on to showmance? No. Okay. Um, about that. So yeah, again, as we talked about, the opening scene of showmance is the dumpster again. Um, you know, something that I wanted to mention. It's interesting that his interaction with boys up to this point are because like the puck has his arm around Kurt during this scene, and. Yeah. Touch is always, like, something that comes up when a lot of people talk about Kurt and how he's very, you know, slow to reach out and and physically touch somebody. And, you know, his first interaction with with guys are this, you know, kind of negative thing. And I just wondered if you had an opinion on how that affects Kurt's character. Yeah, you can see why he would be... You can see why he would be so incredibly cautious about it and allowing Touch because... He is touched in this way that's, you know, not by his choice. It's not something he wants. And, you know, Puck is a big guy. And while he puts on this brave face, I'm sure he, you know, spends a lot of time very scared of what could happen if they take it a step further. Yep. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, this is where he... Later on in the episode, which, gosh, what song is Will trying to get them to sing? Some disco song. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, which is really another funny, uh, everybody's doing really funny dance moves during that scene. Um, but Kurt uses gay as a slur. He calls the, the, um. Yeah. And he says, freak out, the song is really gay. Because Will says, it's not the song. And he says, yes, it is. The song is really gay. Which, yeah, yeah because he. It's, it's about distancing himself from the idea he might be gay. Absolutely. Well, and, and also trying to be, I mean, definitely that, and all, in addition, trying to be, you know, well, I'll be cooler if I put down, everybody's, like, putting me down and I'm supposed to be bad, so I'll, I'll put that down and I'll try and be cool type thing. And if you look to later in the episode, he is completely okay with and embracing the push-it dancing with, because, you know, he's dancing with Mercedes and it's theoretically this very, you know, heterosexual thing where they're mimicking all these sex acts, etc. And he's completely into it. And that's really interesting to me. Oh, yeah. We'll get to, to push it in just a second. Because I, I, there are a lot of things that are really interestingly wrapped up in that performance and that's definitely one of them. Um, but... Uh, the first uh, real uh, Kurt Mercedes scene is in this, with where they're uh, joking about, or they're uh, going back and forth over their clothes. And I don't know if that was improv or not, but it is one of the funniest things in, in these two episodes. And I just love it. Yeah. I love it so much. And again, it's one of the, it's such a tiny moment. You can barely hear the dialogue 
we know it because, you know, fandom and gift sets mm-hmm. and caring about those characters, we need to pay attention. But I love that they brought that in and that they're just so casually, like, they're going to think I planned it and just talking to each other that way. It's really funny, but it's also really sweet. There was a recent quote from Harisham Jr. where he was talking about playing Mike and he was talking about how he would look through the script and, you know, sometimes Mike wouldn't say anything. So he would have to think in his head what's going on with him, how I'm going to play this. And it was a good acting exercise. And I think really all of them at some point had to do that. I feel like from the beginning you can see there's something more for all of them regardless of whether they actually have anything officially going on in the scene. Oh, yeah. And and I love that. I love, like, um, just that, you know, here they are, they're both kind of wearing, you know, these kind of crazy outfits. And I, and I love that they kind of just come up with something in the dialogue about, you know, you look like a Technicolor zebra and it looks like we planned our outfits together. And, you know, it just, I'm sure they did. And I think especially during the first season when they were all more hundred percent committed, not that they like hated it in later seasons or didn't do it as much, but just that I, it, it really shows that, the, the actors definitely, um, you know, tried to make those background moments as interesting as they could and, and add these little character moments. And, and that's, it's just so fascinating to watch the background. Yes, I completely agree. Okay. I have in my notes Kurt's background moments in Gold Digger, and I cannot for the life of me, because I, I didn't rewatch it this morning. Um, you get a great moment at the beginning where Mercedes starts singing and Kurt just looks at her like, Oh wow! <laughs> I, you know, it, it's not a really extreme expression, but he's clearly, you know, really impressed and really, you know, be well. Archie's hand is going up, and they're all like, mm-hmm. but, she, but there's a clear moment from him at the, at the beginning that I love of him really sort of seeing Mercedes Helen, and also throughout he's just sort of adorable and there. Is Hilarious. The one where he's like, at one point near the end, he's like making the like gang sign or whatever, and then he's like, yeah, and then he look, notices that he's into it, and then he's like, oh, why am I doing this? I think so, yeah. <laughs> and it's also intercut with Will's stuff about house hunting, etc. But you do get some great little moments when they go back to the choir room. Oh, that's right, that's right. Um, okay, I think we're on to uh, push it. Which, for just a little performance, it does bring out a lot of interesting questions. Um, the first being, like, here's Kurt, and he's definitely not a little baby penguin. <laughs> and, yeah, but it's it's a, it's a play at sexuality, and it's a play at sexuality in a way that's safe because it's not actually about his sexuality. Um, but it is very interesting to compare it with how uncomfortable he was being that animal. And part of that was because of Blade being there and being asked to do that by Blade and everything that's happened in between. Also, you know, being known to be gay. But you get pushed and he's completely into it. And I, I do wonder, um, did Rachel bring up the idea? I think, yeah, it was Rachel. Yeah. And she's a sort of safer person to, to suggest it almost. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think what you were saying earlier about how, you know, they're doing all of these really very sexual acts in front of a lot of people, 
But for Kurt, they're all, except for the one time that he kind of swats at Finn's ass, they're <laughs> they're all very heterosexual, and they're they're probably to him is some safety in that. I mean, he can go out and go as crazy as he wants, but um, you know, he's gonna just you know do sex acts with Mercedes, and and that's safe and okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Though there is that one moment of him, because um, it's been gifts or gifts or however you say it, um, of where he's just like, you know, in his own little world, doing that little like run my hands over my body thing. Yes, yeah, he's just like off by himself. Other, he's sort of intense hip thrusting. He's very focused on as well. <laughs> Those extended shots of his crotch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. There is with that fanny pack thing on. <laughs> yeah. What But I, I love that scene because they're all sort of, again, this thing, they're all playing this idea of being edgy by doing this song that is so old, you know. <laughs> do they think, um, do you think that they thought also that if they, like, pull this off in front of the whole school, they might have been seen as cooler? I think so. It's, it's like, um, have a time, you know, it's, it's, it's like going, you know, actually, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> you look in the future, you look at bad reputation and Kurt wants to be seen as cooler. He wants to be the bad boy. So he suggests they get their glee on in the stats and they go and perform in their amazing hammer pants. <laughs> and that's actually something that Kurt brings. And I wonder if that connects back to this and this, they had such a great reaction here. You know, the school cheered. They got exactly what they wanted, which was to be noticed and seen as not thought as lame. Oh, I never thought about the connection of those two, but I can totally see that now. <laughs> yeah, I have no choice said that. <laughs> but no, and, and yeah, and I think, um, I think, and this might just be my own interpretation, and if you disagree, please say so, but... I have to wonder with Kurt that, you know, here he is, he's still kind of like, he, he's definitely trying to go ahead and, and be outside of his box and explore this thing and be safe with, you know, like the, the heterosexual aspect of it. And I don't think that his baby penguin, like more reserved attitude towards sex is, is something that happens until after the stuff with Finn and bringing Blaine in who's, you know, a real, oh, this could be a real, you know, love interest type thing. I think this is a performance and this is a, a safe way to explore something, so he goes for it. Um, yeah, I, I think what happens with Finn at the end of this season and then sort of with Sam regarding Finn and his dad at the beginning of the next season really does change how he's willing to present himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, um, did we miss anything? I just feel bad because these are like such, uh, you know, it's the beginning, which is amazing, but at the same time, there's just not a lot that occurred in these. Yeah, you know, from the next episode, there's significantly more in the next couple, but this is pretty, pretty much what we get. Yeah. And I think we've covered pretty much all of that. Yeah, I do too. Okay. Um, well, it's interesting to me that he's not singing back up for Rachel during um, her big solo uh, when Tina and Mercedes are. Hmm. Because he's not sort of 
part of the girls at that point in that way. That's a good point. I never thought about that, but you're right. Yeah, we could make up something yes. about Kirk's absence. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's also... I, it's not really there, because this is something that's more in, commented in 2009 and retrospectively throughout um, later seasons and whatnot, but um, his interactions with Rachel, um, he's not really all that fond of her at the beginning, even though, like I said, it's not really much here. Uh, he finds her slightly irritating, but at the same time, there's a, a respect for her and, and how she can sing, like... Um, he's yeah, he's not friendly to Rachel in the first season. There are times he's actively cruel to her, um, and Rachel is very separate from the other sort of lower social strata glee kids for quite a while. I do have a question for you though. What um, what do you think? Artie's and Kurt's friendship is like just in general because we have like they don't really interact in these opening here. I mean, like, where it's a core group of the, the Mercedes and Tina and Artie and Kurt, but just even throughout the series, we don't see a whole lot of Kurt and Artie moments. Yeah, I think they get along okay, but they're you know, they're not close. It's, it, I think it might be quite telling that I think it's quite telling, I think it's quite telling for me. That when I'm trying to think of Artie and Kurt Roberts, and there are other ones, the first thing I'm thinking of is when they're um, in New York and um, Blaine is obsessed with his bubbles and uh, <laughs> in, in New, New York and uh, no, in, in whichever episode. Yeah, it's New New York, and Art, and he's generally concerned about Artie. No, sorry, it's yeah when Artie gets mugged and he's sort of fussing around him and making sure that Artie's okay in that moment. And I think that's sort of telling that I can't think of many other moments mm-hmm. that are directly between the two of them while I'm sure they have some. Yeah. It's just an interesting thing. And, um, yeah. So. yeah. Well, thank you so much um, for talking to me about this first one. I'm excited to get everything up and going. Wonderful, and I look forward to hearing the other podcasts. Cool. And that is the end of our podcast tonight. I want to thank Jan for coming in and talking with me. We will be back next week discussing acapellas. Hope to see you there.